Welcome to We Are SC Game Day. This is Eric McKinney joined by Greg Katz. Greg, we've got homecoming this weekend. USC welcomes the Arizona Wildcats to the Coliseum. And I know this entire USC program from Clay Helton on down is happy to be in the Coliseum this weekend. They're on a skid right now. They've lost three out of their last four games, all three losses away from the Coliseum. This team for whatever reason, any number of reasons, they play so much better at home than on the road. They're going to get a chance to kind of get things right before they go on the road again the following week. But, but you've got an Arizona team that's coming in, and this is, it's, it's the Khalil Tate show for Arizona. He, he's the, the quarterback. He's the best running back. He'd probably be the best wide receiver, probably be the best defensive player at a couple positions too. He's that good, and there will be that much attention. Galitza, he went to high school at, at Sarah in Gardena. This was a guy that USC recruited. This is a guy that knows the USC program very well. He does not want to leave Arizona without picking up a win against USC. I, I would expect him to come in kind of on fire and, and let it all hang out against Arizona as, as he tries to pick up a win for his team. Well, I think we both would agree that the last time he showed up uh, in the Coliseum a couple years ago, uh, in the second half, he was uh, virtually, if I recall, uh, unstoppable. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a tall order for a football team that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, the SC defense and the secondary, that could be a real concern. Yeah, it's the last two years really kind of have followed a little bit of the same script where USC runs out to a big lead and then has to hold on as Arizona tries to tries to come back. This is a game for USC. Both these teams are two and one. It's actually kind of a, an interesting thing in the South this weekend. Four teams are two and one, and they're all playing each other uh, this weekend. But this is that chance for USC. You know, again, the the national uh, championship, the college football playoff clearly out the window this is something where if you really are going to win the Pac-12 South if you really have a chance to win the Pac-12 Conference this is a game that you not only need to win but but you I think you need to win big and I think you need to start actually showing either proving it proving it to the fans certainly but proving it to yourself that you can go and and blow this team out the wins that you have certainly the one uh, against Stanford looking kind of less and less like a, a big statement home win. I, I think that this team needs to generate some momentum. For you, what, what side of the ball, I guess, does that start on? What, what side of the ball for, for USC offense, defense, do you feel like needs to come out and, and really kind of get things going against Arizona? Well, I, th I think it's the offense. Uh, the reason for that is, uh, and let me just revisit one point you made that I think is important. You know, you mentioned Stanford. Well, on Thursday night, Stanford got blitzed by UCLA. That means the Pac-12 South is going to be even tighter. That means that SC has to win their home games. UCLA picked up a road win. Let's not forget, it's a road win. SC has not won on the road. So the offense for USC is very interesting. Most of the complaints are, uh, uh, up until recently is that SC – looks good in the first half, and they don't do anything in the second half. Well, against Notre Dame, they outscored Notre Dame 24-13 in the second half, and they looked like a pretty good team. The question is against Arizona, which is really not very good on defense at all, is 
can they take the second half of Notre Dame and turn it into four quarters against Arizona? Because as you pointed out, if, if Khalil Tate plays the game of, of, of the season for him, based on what's happened with the SC secondary and injury at linebacker inside, and let's face it, the discipline on the defensive ends, not real good on the edge. You know what? SC's got to put this team away early and keep the pedal on the metal. So offensively, I think they have to outscore Arizona. And I think what's interesting about this is that you've got that marquee step kind of run game going against Notre Dame. I think there's a lot of interest in what could he do against Arizona because Arizona is a defense that recently has thrown out that three, three down lineman look. And if you're physical enough, you have been able to just pound this Arizona defense on the ground as many times as you want. You know, it seemed like teams could run for 400 yards against Arizona if they set out to do it. This year, Arizona trying to change that a little bit, giving some different looks. What's interesting is when you look at the stats, I mean, this team is having the ball thrown all over them. They're 11th in the Pac-12 in pass defense, and you're talking 128th in the country. This is, it's not like, you know, that the, you, know, you can be 11th in the, in the conference and still rank pretty highly in the country. This is a team that is having the ball thrown all over them because of that. You know, they're 118th in total defense uh, in the country. Rush defense, it's not as bad. They're, they're putting up better numbers, whether that's because teams are just throwing the ball all over them so they don't need to run, or whether that's because they are giving that, you know, a little bit of a, a better look up front. That's going to be interesting because, again, I know a lot of people are going to think, here's Arizona. You saw what USC did against them last year. Uh, where Ronald Jones had, a, you know, a, or, or a, two years ago when Ronald Jones had a, a big game. Can you do that again? I, I don't know. I, you know, does Graham Harrell look at the stats and say, we can throw the ball all over this team? Keaton Slovis certainly uh, got some momentum going in the second half last, last week. And I think you can say, you know, that he's ready. Just a true freshman still doesn't have a ton of time because he missed that game. But he, it feels like you can put a game on his shoulders. That balance between run and pass, I, I think, is going to be fascinating to watch against Arizona, specifically if things don't start clicking early on. Well, I think the first thing Arizona will do, or attempt to do, is to take Michael Pittman out of the game like BYU tried to, like Notre Dame did. Okay? The question is, with Graham Harrell, is what Graham Harrell is going to come out and call plays? Is it going to be the Graham Harrell says, we're going to pass, which should be effective, as you pointed out, or is he going to be the Graham Harrell that says, if we need to run the ball, you know, 35 times, and that's what we'll do. I mean, logic is, is you're going to throw the ball against uh, Arizona. I'm going to make a prediction, and, you know, people can sit there and go, is he too old now to make these predictions? But I think the key offensively to the season is marquee step. I think Marquis Step can change the whole complexion of a defense if they'll let him play. I mean, let's face it, Provai uh, Malapea is not coming back anytime soon. And uh, with all due respect to Stephen Carr, I think he's starting because he's a upperclassman. But the guy who really can make the difference, uh, and if you don't believe me, just ask Notre Dame's defenders, is Marquis Step. And I don't buy for one minute that he was so tired that he couldn't carry the ball 11 times or 15 times, or 18 times. To me, he's got to carry the ball 15 or 20 times a game starting now 
I think that he's so good that he is going to take all the pressure off of Slovis. He'll drive Arizona crazy if Ram Harrell is willing to have some sort of balanced attack. I want to see play action passes off of Marquis Steph. I think that they can double team Pittman all they want. But if you double team uh, Pittman and you play action pass, somebody's going to be open. And by the way, let's find out if Pittman doesn't go in motion a couple of times. They don't just sit there and say, here I am. You don't have to adjust anything. Uh, let's see him, you know, go into the slot maybe and, and go in motion. But I think, uh, honestly, uh, SC's offense should roll. And hopefully, step is a big part of it. I think that's the key. You, USC's offense needs to put up a bunch of points against Arizona. I, I think it's there's been too many weeks where you know you get to the end of the game and it's you know you guys talked about run the coaches talked about running 85 90 plays a game and you look and it's you know you're creeping into the 60s or maybe you got in the 70s and there's always sort of a well they did this and their offense did this and you know you, you it doesn't feel like uh the Ohio States and the Oklahoma's you know well the defense did this no they they stepped out of the field they ran play after play after play they ran it quickly and they put up a ton of yards and a ton of points. If this Arizona defense is the kind of defense that should allow you to do that, it's not acceptable that Michael Pittman just is pushed out on the outside and it's, well, they took him away. What are we going to do? Because you don't have enough other guys really stepping up and, and dominating the game. Amon Ross St. Brown had a, had a great game against Notre Dame, but it's sort of it's a little bit too few and far between when teams can do what they want to do they can say we're taking this guy out of the game and they're not burned repeatedly by other guys there's too much talent I think on the USC offensive roster to do that and like you mentioned Marquis Step, he he's a little bit of that get out of jail free card you know it's it's if you need to think about what to run just let him get you four or five yards on, on a quick play and then come up with, with something after that. Like you said, he, he's so fascinating because we've seen what he can do, and it just feels like defenses don't want to line up again after he runs. It's, you know, he's, he's not anywhere close to Jim Brown, but it gives, you know, the stories you hear about, you know, just he could be so demoralizing to a defense where they just think we got to tackle this guy again. And I think that's something that you can do against this and we're both talking about needing to score a lot of points that's because we buried the lead a little bit on the other side of the ball for USC the the biggest news I think coming into this game is who's not going to play for USC or at least not likely to play uh Nickelback Greg Johnson is already ruled out had a shoulder injury against Notre Dame it's likely Max Williams a true freshman get used to hearing that a true freshman will start uh, at nickel for USC. He started against Washington, was not available against Notre Dame for a violation of team rules. And then you look at the outside cornerbacks. Elijah Griffin has a, bul a bulging disc. That acted up against Notre Dame, getting taking him out of the game. It, he's, he's listed as doubtful. I, I think if you could go maybe even less than that would be sort of my guess for his availability. And then Isaac Taylor Stewart, the, uh, another you know, potential starter at cornerback, he has a high ankle sprain suffered against Notre Dame. He's listed by Clay Helton as a game-time decision. I, I think, again, that's probably maybe even a little optimistic. I think it's safe to go into this game thinking 
You're going to get a true freshman in Max Williams starting at nickelback. You're going to get a true freshman in Chris Steele starting at outside cornerback, which he's a little bit like Keaton Slovis now, where you've heard his name so much. He almost, it almost feels weird to call him a true freshman still because he's been that good and played that much. But then on the other side, you're probably going to get a true freshman in either Jaden Williams or Dorian Hewitt. But so, so those are your, you know, four quarterbacks. And then Kalana Makala is probably going to back up Max Williams, another true freshman. You've got three cornerback spots, a nickelback and two outside corner spots, probably manned by five true freshmen. And that is a, a sort of mouthful of a lead up to say, wow, against Khalil Tate, against this Arizona offense, where you talk about the numbers put up by the Arizona defense that are just horrific. The Arizona offense, second in the, in the conference in rushing offense, second in the conference in passing offense. You're talking about a top 35 national offense when it comes to rushing, top 20 when it comes to passing, ninth in the country in total offense. This is an offense, granted, they have not played phenomenal defenses this year, but this is an offense that has gotten it done and they're going to go against a very, very inexperienced group in the secondary, specifically a cornerback. That, that's the setup. What, what are you taking? What are you looking for from specifically that group, the defensive backs against this Arizona offense? Well, they have to really stay disciplined. They really have to. Uh, let me just give an example. What I think Marquis Stepp can do for the SC offense J.J. Taylor can do the same thing with uh, the Arizona as a running back. You, you can imagine if Tate starts running a triple option uh, sort of deal where he run uh, option or pass the ball, so to speak, uh, what he could do to true freshmen with the bright lights of the Coliseum going on uh, on national television, uh, they could really have some issues. And those issues are compounded by, by the front the front seven of USC, so to speak. You know, it's no secret that teams are able to get around the ends of SC on reverses and everything else. So you can imagine if you have a, a secondary that's so young going against a veteran offense uh, in Taylor uh, in the backfield along with Tate and the productivity, and then you say, well, what ends if they start running reverses on the edge and all sorts of things? Plus, we all know that inside uh, – IA is not going to be playing because uh, he's out. Uh, that was announced on Thursday. Uh, and I, I have a lot of confidence in Donovan Maga. Uh, a go forth, you know, I think can, can, can do a good job, but he's still a rookie. Uh, you know, there's a lot of question marks on the SC defense going to go against this offense of um, Arizona. And as, you, and as you put it, as bad as they are on defense, the Wildcats are pretty good. And let's not forget, this is a Pac-12 South game. It could be an elimination game for Arizona. SC cannot afford to lose a game which would put Utah in the position that if SC lost another game and Utah wins out, that win over Utah that SC had in September would be nullified. That's kind of the, the, the ace in the hole for SC, this win over Utah. In the end, it could come down at the end of the season, beat UCLA, be tied with Utah, SC goes because of the tiebreaker. But that's why this game is so important. Plus, as you pointed out, it's a home game. SC is going to go play a Friday night game the following week at Colorado. 
I just checked the weather report. They say the low is going to be 27 degrees. The high is going to be 51. The game's at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. So that's why this game is so important. And this, why, this is why it's so important that SC's defense be disciplined against this offense of Arizona. Because if Arizona gets off, it could be a real struggle. And again, it feels like every week or at least every game, you're up against someone who does something really well that USC struggles with. And we heard from the defensive players this week, specifically the front four, Drake Jackson was saying, the most important thing for them is going to be maintaining gap assignments, staying in their rush lanes. Because if you get a, a defensive, uh, you know, s someone in the interior of the defensive line gets pushed out a little bit and that gap opens up between that player and the defensive end, Tate could be gone. And one of the things that's going to be interesting is Khalil Tate missed a game. He, he missed the game against UCLA a few weeks ago. He did not run a whole lot in a, in a blowout loss to Washington last week. Is he fully healthy? That's always the question. And the last time we saw Khalil Tate, he, he was not fully healthy going against uh, the USC defense. So that's a question that we'll get asked. If he's fully healthy, I, I think probably the most dynamic quarterback uh, in the Pac-12 pretty easily. If he's not, then you start looking at what the rest of that Arizona running game can do. And you mentioned J.J. Taylor, who's never going to be confused for Marquis Step physically, but has that ability to just sort of drive a defense crazy, just, just that sort of small, shifty stature and can just take off and go. But Gary Brightwell is, is a bigger back. Nathan Tilford, who, you know, got a, a ton of early interest from USC, he's ending up there. there there's four running backs that Arizona employs. When you look at J.J. Taylor's numbers, just 301 rushing yards on the season. This is a guy that can put up some massive numbers that we've seen over his career. But they spread the ball around a lot. And when you look at Arizona, because of that, because of, of, of the numbers they have at wide receiver, where it's not like Notre Dame, uh, where you had Chase Claypool and he was clearly the, the number one target. Arizona has a lot of guys everywhere that can play a lot of spots. You start thinking this is a team that can sort of dial some things up where you're hitting the outside. And like you mentioned, Khalil Tate, you can keep the ball in his hand a lot and give him a bunch of different options. The inside handoff, the run around the edge, let him go RPO and, and maybe there's a pass there. And that's where it all comes into play, right? Can the defensive front put up enough of a wall to knock out a few of those options? And then can those young guys in the secondary plaster and stick with their receivers on a run play that takes four or five seconds to develop because Tate can move uh, either designed or just kind of scramble. That's th those are the questions that these young players at corner are going to have to answer. Do they bite when it looks like Khalil Tate's going to run and then he pulls up and boom, it's 55 yards over your head. I, I mean, those are kind of the, the disciplined things that have not always been delivered on uh, when it comes to the USC defense. You talk about discipline. You talk about fundamentals every week. We talk to the defensive players, uh, you know, usually after the Wednesday practice. Same thing. We need to be this. We need to be that. Discipline, fundamentals, it comes up all the time. This is an offense that can make you pay in a big way if you're not there. I mean, what, what's your expectation on that? Can, can, they, 
get that together or is this something where next week we're saying okay maybe the, maybe the next week you know we'll, we'll be able to land on all these things well you know we're, we're coming into the uh, seventh game of the season and pretty much what you see is what you are but one of the big elephants in the room that uh, does give me a lot of trepidation is the poor tackling you got Tate that can run you got uh, or you got um, Taylor who can run. They need to be tackled, and if you're not a good tackler, they're going to SC's going to have some problems. We really don't know how good a tackler some of these true freshmen are going to be in a game. Okay, uh, you know they're going to be uh, jacked up to play. The question is, is can they maintain the discipline in tackling to go along with the others? So. Like they don't have enough to worry about, tackling is going to be a big issue on defense besides the big inexperience. Uh, you know, missing Houston uh, in this particular game could be in effect because he's a sideline-to-sideline -side guy, uh, doesn't take on blocks if, the, if you run right at him. Mog is more physical, in my opinion. Uh, go forth, we'll see what he can do. But Really, I think that this is going to be a real test of, of the for Clancy Pendergast's defense. And, and I'm interested to see what they do with Talanoa Hofunga. It was a couple of years ago in the Coliseum where certainly in the first half, they told Marvell Tell, who was safety at the time, he's you. You're, you're on him. You follow him wherever you go. And Marvell Tell shut Khalil Tate down for a half. Khalil Tate eventually kind of got things going in the second half, but I'll be interested to see if that's another thing they, they use because Talanoa Vanga certainly right now in the secondary, you know, clearly the most reliable, the most experienced guy back there. Can you put him on Khalil Tate? Again, if, if that happens, you're asking a whole lot from those young cornerbacks. If they have to patrol everything back there, obviously with Isaiah Polamau, the, the other safety back there helping him out, that's you know maybe that's a wrinkle that you see I, i'm i'm interested to see how they use him but really it, it all comes down to khalil tate can, can you keep him in the pocket can you make him make throws he's completing the ball from the pocket specifically on third down this year completing the ball a lot at a, at a much higher percentage than uh he, he has throughout his career still i'll go ahead and take my chances with him trying to throw the ball 35, 40 times from the pocket uh, in a game, if, if you can take away his running ability, because I, I, he's still at, you know, 65% for the season, which is good, but certainly not, you know, what we've seen from Keaton Slovis, not, we've, not what we've seen from, from big-time quarterbacks. I agree. I agree. On the other side, again, I, I'm interested to see how Arizona, how Arizona's defense lines up. This is something where, are we going to be surprised if they come out in a, in a pure three down drop eight formation? Can USC figure that out early enough? And well, if they can't, then somebody's got to take Graham Harrell in the, uh, the room and sit down and have a little uh, come to reality check. Uh, you know, most coaches are going to say, what do you want to take away first from USC? Most of them will say, we'll take, we'll, we'll take away the pass because that's what they do. That's what they want to do and they want to go to Pittman. So what did SC learn in these last couple of games? Uh, BYU or, you know, Washington, Notre Dame. Look, it's not a, exactly a, uh, you know, a state secret what they're going to do. A guy like Steph can change the complexion of the game to force them. Now, 
Arizona on defense level will say, well, if we're going to get beat by USC, they're going to have to pound the ball and take it downfield. We are not going to get beat deep on a pass. We're not going to have, uh, you know, people cross, crossing patterns. I think one thing to keep in mind on this one, which is interesting to me, is how many times SC will go to the tight end. Are we ever going to see them throw the ball down one of the seams to the tight end? Now, I know that Cromano had a pretty good game reception-wise, number-wise. But you know what? This is the type of game that if they're going to take away Pittman uh, and, you know, uh, you get step in a play action, it seems perfect to start throwing the ball to the tight end. But, you know, they haven't done it on a consistent basis. So that's going to be something I'm going to, I'm going to be looking for uh, in terms of what SC is going to do. Yeah, and it feels like even when defenses are getting hit by, by Marquis Step, even when Notre Dame was kind of getting – you know, giving up chunk plays to him, they it still felt like they were comfortable with that because it still felt like USC was uncomfortable doing that. You know, it, exactly. it never feels like they embraced it. And, and I understand sort of where, when you hear the coaches talk about Marquis Step, it's understandable his role so far. That There are certainly questions, it feels like, from the coaches about, ball security with him and, and he absolutely said this week you know against Notre Dame there were times where I, I'm in traffic and the ball is not secured and, and if you're USC looking at that going into the Notre Dame game and you're saying over and over and over we can't lose the ball we can't, you know we we have to have no turnovers I understand a little bit of the trepidation of just going to him over and over and over when he has five guys hanging on him and you're worried a little bit about ball control, that seems like a recipe for that ball to come out. So I, for me, that's where I think that stands. I, I think the coaches still see the negatives in him, and I don't mean that it, probably as harshly as it comes out. I think that there's still some idea from the coaches that he's not a, a fully complete package yet. And as, as fans, as media – we see him go in and just light guys up and be impossible to tackle. And you see kind of the, the high ceiling that he can bring in. If you're worried about fumbling, I, that, that's where I can kind of understand a little bit trying to limit his carries uh, and, and get an understanding of kind of what he's capable of. Certainly at this point in the year, my feeling, let it go. If, if he loses a fumble against Arizona, You've got to be able to score enough points to make that up and to, to win that game. Uh, at Notre Dame, I understand. Maybe maybe it's kind of a razor-thin margin for error there. But, I boy, would I love to see him kind of let loose and, and really lean in to picking up yards on the ground and being comfortable. I mean, we saw – you know, we've, we've seen it from Clay Helton teams in the past where they can lean into the run game and just kind of get that momentum going. I think this is a game that that sets up perfectly for Marquis Step to do that. And, and I also am interested to see what kind of tempo this offense plays at. In the second half against Notre Dame, things started picking up. Keaton Slovis said this week, yeah, we ran some plays quickly enough where Notre Dame wasn't set. He obviously got comfortable in that. I understand, again, in the first half, if you want to let him kind of get his feet wet in that environment, in that setting, you want to make sure the play is called the way it's supposed to go, the way it's supposed to run. But, boy, at home, again, against this defense, if it's ever going to pick up for a full game and go, 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 
this seems like the the time to do it for hundred percent hundred percent I think it's uh, you know it's really how SC coaches want to play it uh, if they want to play it on both sides of the ball you know we're gonna see some real coaching take place some real strategy we're gonna see some real adjustments because uh, I think Arizona is gonna come out and let it all hang out on both sides of the line of scrimmage I think they want to get to Slovis they want to test his courage I thought Slovis uh, did a remarkable job considering he's coming off a concussion. Uh, I don't think SC's going to play any more physical a defense than they played against Notre Dame. I think Oregon's got a good defense. But I think that he showed that he will get out of the pocket. Uh, he had no interceptions. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of positives. But I'm sure that Arizona will try uh, to get to him at, at, at some level and, and, and test him. And that's one thing about Arizona's defense. They do not get to the quarterback this year. Five total sacks, I think either three or three and a half are, are coming from one guy. That This is something where the USC offensive line should certainly be able to establish themselves early and for the full 60 minutes. We're going to jump into to, – we'll, we'll get to our pick for this game in a little bit, but there's a couple other real interesting Pac-12 games this week. And, and Greg, we'll kind of bounce back and forth on picks for these. The other game that we sort of alluded to earlier in the Pac-12 South, you have four two-and-one teams. Arizona-USC are going to square up uh, Saturday night, 6.30. Before that, you're going to get Arizona State going out to Utah. And for me, that's a kind of a fascinating game to see how that plays out. USC is obviously rooting for Utah. I mean, you, you want to end up kind of in that tie with Utah uh, if, at, you know, worst-case scenario. How do you see that one playing out again, Arizona State going up to Utah? Well, you know, I think Utah will beat Arizona State because the game's at Utah. I think that Utah, you know, they're going to have their backfield intact, of my understanding. I think the must, which is the crowd that supports uh, the Utes, will be uh, in volume 10 uh, level. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we're going to have to see how Arizona State's young quarterback uh, – reacts to it. I, I think, you know, if Arizona State can beat Utah, you know, in uh, Salt Lake City, that's going to make possibly the SC Arizona State game, you know, coming up in uh, November, uh, a huge game. That could be the game for the South Division. So uh, I'm going to watch this game, but I am going to take the Utes. I think they're just going to be, you know, they're ready to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Arizona State mostly because I want to be different than you, but also they've gone to Michigan State and won. They've gone to Cal and won. They know how to go and play against a, a great, great defense. And so I think, I think it happens. I think it's the Pac-12. I think you can guess whatever you want, and it, it doesn't really matter because something insane, you know, is, is probably going to happen. The other one is taking place in the Pac-12 North, Oregon, going up to take on Washington this, you know, with, with Stanford's, you mentioned it earlier, just free fall this season. Oregon, Washington, the kind of clearly the two best teams, uh, I, I think, in the North, although Washington has, somehow has that loss to Stanford and Cal playing better. But this is the game that is always, it, you know, recently at least decided that Pac-12 North. And for me, I think Oregon is that good. I think that Oregon defense is that good. And I think we've seen a couple, you know, data points from Washington now that says maybe they're not that good. 
Well, the problem with Washington is, you know, you don't know which Husky team is going to show up. Okay. I do think that, you know, you can argue that Washington's a better team when they're at Husky Stadium. But then look what they did. You know, they ring off 54 points or whatever they did uh, last, last week outside of Husky Stadium. I am going to go with Oregon. I think Oregon has so much to gain as well as so much to lose. And I don't trust the Washington team that I'm seeing. There's no consistency to them. Although I think that Washington will be well coached in the game. Uh, but I just think that Oregon's got too much and Oxen Stadium behind them. All right. And then let's go the, again, the game that matters. Arizona coming out to the Coliseum. Arizona, USC. How do you see this one playing out? SC will – okay, let me paraphrase this. If SC plays as well as SC can play and Arizona plays as well as they can play, SC will win because they have way too many skilled players on offense, and this is not a good Arizona defense. Uh, I, I mean, SC is, what, an eight-and-a-half point, opened an eight-and-a-half point favorite, which isn't exactly, you know, double digits. But I think, uh, you know, Arizona can't afford any turnovers. But then again, either can USC. But I'll, I'll take the Trojans this one. I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think it's probably high scoring. I, I think uh, Khalil Tate, again, it, fully healthy or just mostly healthy, I, I think he does things that this USC defense has trouble with. And, and I think the weapons he has specifically in that backfield, I, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. USC giving up almost 200 yards a game uh, on the ground. There's going to be some plays made by this Arizona offense. I think USC's offense found something in that second half against Notre Dame. I think coming back home, uh, I, I think the boost that Marquis Steph has, I actually think I, I love Avai Malapai as a, as a running back. If he wants to be, you know, the lead, if he was the lead back at USC every single year, I think they'd be in good hands. I think actually paring it down to just those two guys maybe clears things up somehow a, a little bit in this game. And I think one of those true freshmen that we mentioned in the secondary, I think they're going to come up with a big play, whether it's just knocking a ball down or, or you know, making a, a, a great tackle uh, in the backfield or maybe coming up with an interception. I, I get a feeling that these defensive backs, when they were all signed, they looked, it looked like, okay, that's depth down the road. Certainly you didn't expect them to be called upon this early. I think they can play, and I have a lot of faith in defensive backs coach Greg Burns and what he's been able to do so far. So I think a big play from them, I think a lot of points from the USC offense as they get things going on the ground and through the air. And I don't know if it's a big USC win, because like I said, Arizona can score a lot of points and they can do it late too, as they've shown against USC. But a USC win on homecoming against the Arizona Wildcats. So hopefully we're all watching that Saturday night. For Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for watching We Are SC Game Day.